Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. Second Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse number three, the apostle Paul writes, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your, when your obedience is fulfilled. I want to preach to you for just a few moments this evening on this thought, fighting for your family, fighting for your family. Can we say that together? Fighting for your family. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. God, I'm asking you tonight to use me as the oracle of the Lord to preach to your people. I pray that tonight there would ignite in our hearts a strength and a force in the Holy Ghost to fight for our families through the Spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. Everyone belongs to and comes from a family. Be it good or bad, we all come from some kind of family. With nothing more than just bringing up the word family, our own or someone else's, there begins to arise an appeal to our most intimate emotions and memories. Sometimes that emotional appeal is good, sometimes it is not so good. No matter where we go and what we do, nothing changes the fact that all of us come from and are a part of a family. We can change homes, cities, states, countries, citizenship, and even our last name, but we cannot change the fact that we come from a family. It is an irreversible fact of life. The family was not and is not our idea. 
It is a gross mistake to think of the family unit as a human invention and phenomenon. The family is something that is programmed into the system we know as creation. And that is why it is not up to any human institution to try to redefine it. In fact, families exist among non-human species as well, both highly developed and primitive, assemble themselves in family units. Humanity has organized itself in numerous different ways throughout history, but no single form of organization has secured a place for itself in civilization like the family unit. It is in part for this reason that every human government, including the one we are presently a part of, eventually begins to try to disrupt, weaken, and redefine the family unit in hopes that it yields to the aims of the government. You see, it is far too difficult to maneuver and manipulate people who are tied to their families. In order for certain agendas to be satisfied, there must be sectors of society that are family-less. This has happened throughout history. It is happening to us today, but it is nothing new. I want you to stop and consider how in the past, many atheist regimes, communist regimes, openly opposed the parent-child relationship. I'm reminded of the young pioneers, communist Russia's version of the Boy Scouts, that made heroes out of young men and women who ratted out their parents for not giving over their last rations of food to the government, a penalty which was often resulted in the execution of their parents. There have even been notable civilizations like the Persians, the Romans, the Chinese, and others who carefully picked apart the parent-child relationship so as to produce mobs of familyless individuals who could then be wholly dedicated to the state. However, because being part of a family and producing families is embedded into creation and into humanity, these people's bodies would have to be manipulated and mutilated so as to break them free from the natural cycle of reproduction. In our Bible, they are called eunuchs. Other civilizations had entire branches of their militaries comprised of eunuchs because a soldier who has no one to come home to can fight for his country much more fearlessly. Modern and ancient slavery also sought to dismantle the family unit. A labor force comprised of familyless individuals is every greedy kingdom's dream come true. Everything I'm talking about here tonight is the obvious. These are the things visible, the things we see in humanity, both past and present, that oppose the family unit. What these attacks on the family unit don't necessarily reveal up front is that beneath the surface of it all, for every human government in power that opposes the family unit, rest assured that there's also a spiritual government pulling cranks and levers to dismantle families. Not just any family, but your family. Not just any family, but your family. In fact, even as I'm preaching, there are people here that are kind of 
uh, feeling as though this sermon does not apply to them. And it's because their families have already been ripped apart and they have never known a stable family unit. And the reason is because there are spiritual powers that want it that way. The aim and the objective here, more than anything else, is to produce mobs of familyless individuals. People who feel no obligation to anyone besides themselves. I'm reminded of the verse in 1 Timothy 4 and 3, where the Bible says that the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days there will be doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. And what will they be doing? They will be forbidding people to marry. There will be spirits in these last days that will try to convince mobs that they are better off by themselves, that they don't need a man, that they don't need a woman, that they don't need children, and that they don't need anybody else. I'm telling you, young people, this is something you've got to fight off. We are not just pro-life around here. We are pro-family around here. Come on. We are not just pro-life, we are pro-family. We still believe that it is a good thing for a person to share their life with another person. We still believe, amen, that it is a good idea to marry. We still believe that it's far better to marry, amen, than to burn, amen. I can't even begin to tell you how many young people I come across these days, and they're really not so young anymore, but they are just set on not getting married. They could care less. They're, they're reaching into their late 30s and I, I hope I don't make anybody feel uncomfortable with this but, but I know what it is to go a long time without being married and I know what it is to feel spirits come on me and tell me you're just better off by yourself you don't need nobody huh? don't, don't go that way just, just forget the world and forget church and forget all, these, all this silliness huh? friend of mine I want you to know that there's nothing silly about God's ways huh? God's ways are the best ways huh? I need somebody to help me preach tonight. Come on, let's magnify the Lord Jesus here. I feel the Holy Ghost coming in this house right now. He Amen. If you'll allow me and help me to preach to a small select group of people here today, only half of America are married now, down to 72%. Furthermore, now only 20% of Americans get married before the age of 30. The number of new marriages each year is declining slowly in America. If you are, un, if you are an unmarried today, you face a lower chance of ever getting married. And the longer you wait, you also uh, run a higher risk of divorce when you finally do get married. The Pew Research Center found that 40% of unmarried adults think that marriage is obsolete. That means they think it does not matter. That means they think it is not important. That means they think they're better off by themselves. That means they think very little of the family. People, we have to resist those spirits in these last days. If you fall into that category, I encourage you, friend of mine, don't ever give up praying for a godly husband. Don't ever give up praying for a godly wife. It is one of the best things that will ever happen to you. Uh, even if you get married late in life, uh, it's worth it. Uh, it. Come on, come on, come on. 
I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost wants to talk to somebody here today. We don't do things the way the world does things around here. We follow God's plans. We follow God's plans. Plans. Somebody shout amen. 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 There will be nasty, ungodly spirits in these last days that oppose the family openly and directly. Matthew 10 and 21, Jesus tells us that brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. 2 Timothy 3 and 2 tells us, for men and women shall be lovers of their own selves, disobedient to parents. Families are torn apart by persuading people to love their own selves. If you wanna mess up your marriage, just fall in love with yourself. If you wanna mess up your kids, just fall in love with yourself. Parents, if you wanna, children, if you wanna break your parents' heart, just fall in love with yourself. Spouse, if you wanna break your loved one's heart, just fall in love with yourself. Just make everything all about you. Just make sure that it all comes back down to you feeling how you wanna feel, you getting what you wanna get, you having your way all the time, and before you know it, amen, your whole family will be shattered. We've gotta get outside of ourselves. We live in a selfish generation. We live in an egotistical, self-centered, amen, generation. We've got to learn to love one another, and even more so, those of our household. Somebody shout amen. I feel like there are families even here tonight that you are under attack. And I want you to know that the answer, amen, is not more counseling. The answer is not another self-help book. The answer is getting a hold of God. The answer is going to war. The answer is praying it down until the Spirit of God gets into our marriage. Until the Spirit of God moves between... Satan, Satan is well versed in the concept that if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And so he focuses on dividing families. It is impossible to create a deplorable society without dividing families first. There is a very real attack on your family and its only mission is to divide. It will attack your family from every angle possible and create as much space as it can between you and your children or between children and their parents. You know, I'm gonna preach now a little bit, if you don't mind. There is a spirit, all families come under attack. The preacher's family comes under attack, the usher's family comes under attack, the evangelist family comes under attack, the saints, everybody. If you have, I'll go one step further. The devil doesn't even care whether you're Christian or not, he hates families, period. 
He doesn't, he doesn't care whether you're Muslim, Christian, denominal, non-denominal. He hates your family. He hates it because it is of God. He hates the concept. He hates the idea. He hates the relationships. He hates the love. He hates the strength that it produces. He will fight any family he can, tooth and nail. He wants as many divorces as he can get. He wants as many neglected and abused children as he can get. He wants as many thrashed adults as he can get. We We've got to stand up and resist that stuff. Too many times the devil gets into our home and we, we think we know what the problem is. We think it's a paycheck. We think it's this. We think it's that. We think it's meddling in-laws. We think it's the children. We, we try to blame everything and we pass up the spiritual dimension. We pass up the spiritual aspects. We, we don't want to look at it. We want to counsel with the pastor for hours and then we get mad at the pastor when he asks us, have you prayed? about this. Uh, let's pray about this. Uh, we get our arms all up. Uh, we get all upset. I'm here to tell you, for, I'm here to remind somebody tonight that God has to be part of the solution. Uh, God has to be part of the healing. Uh, Come on, somebody. I, I felt it when I got on my knees in this sanctuary. There's marriages here under attack. The best thing you can do before this night is over. I know it's Tuesday night, but the best thing you can do before this night is over is grab the hand of your wife. Hit this altar. Who cares who said what? And who cares who did what? And who cares how long they took? Let's pray together. The weapons of our warfare, they are mighty. They are not carnal. Doctor. Dr. Phil ain't going to fix it. Dr. Laura ain't going to fix it. You need to take it to Jesus. You need to take it to Jesus. You... Can I preach to the young people just for a few seconds? There are young people here. I believe with all of my heart that God is calling on you tonight to rise up and to begin to pray for your parents. There are young people here that you have the Holy Ghost and you have enough of it to fight the demons that are trying to tear your home apart. There are young people here that right now, maybe, maybe your parents are already backslid. Maybe your parents are living deplorable, despicable, nasty lives. Uh, and maybe everybody doesn't know all the details, but you know the details. Uh, and I came to encourage you, young person don't just stand by idly and watch the devil tear your parents apart uh, you are old enough now you are big enough now uh, you have enough Holy Ghost now uh, to hit your knees and make a difference uh, don't just be an inactive member of your family uh, be part of the war uh, God did not call us uh, amen to just sit by uh, and watch our homes be torn apart uh, by the forces of hell uh, young person you got to get in the war uh, you got to get in the fight. You got to hit your knees. You got to talk in tongues. You need to pray. You need to fast. I promise you, young person, if you will get a hold of God, God can turn situations around. I've been preaching long enough now to tell you, I've seen more than one backslid parent hit the altar because their kids prayed them down. I've seen more than one sinner parent hit those altars speaking in tongues because their children prayed them down. I believe that's the will of God for us here tonight. I believe that there are some young men and some young ladies that can pray a prayer that'll bring their parents into church, that'll bring their parents back to church, that'll keep their parents to God. 
Come on, come on, come on. I need help preaching tonight. He Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I was just preaching a revival just a few weeks ago. There was a young man there, 16 years old. They, they brought him in off the buses. Just really bad situation. But this young boy began to go to the school there at the church. And, and while we were preaching, he, he came up to me one night. He said, Brother Prado, he said, I want you to pray for my dad. He said, I believe that my dad can get the Holy Ghost in this revival. He said, my dad just got out of prison and he's back to his old games again. He says, but I believe in this revival, God can save him. I said, I believe it too. We begin to pray and pray for his dad. I'll never forget one day I was coming out of my room and I was walking through the cafeteria as the kids were eating lunch and, and this one kid offered this, this young man a slice of pizza or hamburger, I don't know what it was. And, and he told him, he said, no thanks. He said, I'm fasting for my dad. You are never too young to get in the war. You are never too young to enlist in the army of God. You are never too young to make a difference. You are never too young to stand up to hell and serve notice on the devil. You will not have my dad. You will not have my mom. Maybe my mom's in prison. Maybe my dad's someone nobody would be proud of. But that's my dad. And I'm a pray for my dad. Maybe I go to a Christian school uh, and I live in a family and a house full of devils, uh, but I'm believing God to make a difference uh, in my house. Uh, I'm believing God. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, God's got a word for somebody. I'll never forget. I'll remember it like it was yesterday. We were having church on a Monday night. They called a special service. The father comes walking in through the door, sits in the back, and the minute we make the altar call, he shoots for the door. But little did he know, his son had been fasting. That man, as much as he wanted to leave that service, could not. Stood by the door. Everything in his mind, everything in his flesh told him leave but he had a little 16-year-old boy tying him down. I remember I was preaching and I could tell he was trying to wiggle his way out of the service. I just stopped. We're okay with just stopping for one person. This is, this is a Holy Ghost-filled church. We will go there. <laughs> I stopped preaching, I told him, sir, I said, why don't you come up here and let me pray for you before you leave? He looked at me and I, I, I have the mic, I'm yelling at him back and forth, I tell him, I said, I will not do anything to embarrass you or humiliate you, but why don't you come up here and let us pray for you before you leave? That man walked up to the front, when he hit the altar, he threw his hands in the air, and in just a matter of seconds, he was flat on his back, speaking in other tongues. Come on, fight for your family. Fight for your family. Don't let the devil tell you it's too late. They're too far gone. It's Come on, let God be God. Let God. 
Come on, come on, come on. Oh, Jesus. There was a woman, there was a woman in that revival. There was a woman in that revival, had a brother. They were now mature. These, this, I hope I don't offend anybody, but if you get offended, just come talk to me after church. We'll, we'll make up. Uh, whole family full of Baptists. They were all Baptists. She got converted. She's now been serving the Lord for probably, well, 30, 40 years. So she's, she's more mature in age now. But let me tell you something. Jesus says, unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. You will not see the kingdom of God. That word kingdom there literally means the sovereignty of God. You will not see the government of God. And that's not just talking about in heaven. That's talking about here on planet earth. If you are not born again, you will never understand why people do what they do. If you are not born again, you will not perceive why people put money in an offering. You will never see why people dress the way they dress. You will never see why people dance the way they dance. You will never see why people... You will not see the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. You can look all you want to, but you'll never perceive it. I'm preaching to some visitors here tonight. If you plan on just sitting in your pew and figuring it out from there, I got news for you. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to jump in to see the government of God. You're going to have to be born again to see the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. It's not going to just... It's not going to come to you through through your mind. It's not going to come through observation. The kingdom of God comes with power and with demonstration and with yielded hearts. Oh, Jesus. This woman, Baptist family, ganging up on her year after year after year after year, telling her she's crazy, needs to cut her split ends. Hallelujah. One of her brothers decided to backslide out of the Baptist church, whatever that means. I'm sorry, is that bad? That's not good. It's not a funny joke. This man has a degree from LSU, half a million dollar home, travels all around the country, and he was now dying. I was driving around town. I get a phone call from the pastor. He says, Brother Prado, we need you to come to the church. It's 12 o'clock. I think, I don't, I'm thinking, I don't, have, I don't have service for another seven and a half hours. <laughs> he said, Sister so-and-so's brother's here. And he needs prayer. We're going to pray for him to get the Holy Ghost. I said, okay. We turn around. We drive back to the church. I walk through the doors of the church. There's a man sitting on the front pew, shaking uncontrollably, bleeding, scars everywhere on his face, a total 110% mess. He's mumbling, talking to himself, scratching the flesh off his skin, off his face, bleeding. I began to talk to him. I said, sir, I said, I want you to listen to me. I said, trust me. Listen to my voice. 
Stop listening to the voices in your head. I said, in just a few minutes, you are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He began to grunt and mumble, and he said, I can't get it, I can't get it, I'm damned, I'm damned, I'm damned. I said, sir, you're not damned. And you are not condemned, you're gonna get saved. I said, I want you to do everything I tell you to do and trust me. He said, very well. I said, I want you to stand. He stood up, his arms were shaking spastically like this. I said, I want you to throw your hands up in the air as high as you can and tell Jesus you're sorry for all your sins. He lifted up his hands. He said, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. I said, I want you to begin to shout hallelujah with all of your heart now. He began to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And all of a sudden that nervous shake turned into a different shake. And he began to shake and shake. And he looked over once, he looked over twice, he opened up his mouth and he began to speak in other tongues. And when I tell you that the look on his face changed in a matter of seconds, uh, that man was 110% totally changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we filled up the bathtub in the house, uh, we baptized him in Jesus' name. Uh, he's sitting on the pew right now, uh, clothed and in his right mind. Uh, you got to fight for your family. Uh, no matter how long it's been. Uh, no matter how much they've picked on you. No matter how much they've yelled. I feel this right now in the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's some Pentecostals here in the house. Uh, you've stopped praying for your family because uh, you've gotten bitter and mad at them because uh, they've lied on you. Uh, they've made fun of you. Uh, they have forsaken you. Uh, but that's just the devil trying to get you to quit praying for them. Uh, you need to get back in the fight uh, and pray again uh, and fast again. Uh, it's just that... God's trying to get through to us. God's trying to put hope back in us. Uh, the weapons of our warfare, uh, they are not carnal. Uh, they are mighty uh, to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, it can pull down strongholds in your house. Uh, it can pull down strongholds in your relatives. Uh, religion can't hold them down. Uh, demons can't hold them down. Uh, drug addiction can't hold it down. Uh, God still breaks chains. Come on, somebody. Oh, let's magnify Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. I'm not trying to draw this out one second more than I have to, but I feel the Holy Ghost trying to creep in here, and I feel it trying to cultivate some faith in some people's minds. I came to encourage some lady, keep praying for your backslid husband. I came to encourage some dad that's been coming to church with his kids all by himself. Keep praying for your backslid wife. God's on the move. God's on the move. God's on the move. God's on the move. 
Jesus. Every hand lifted up for just a moment here. Jesus, Jesus. I, I do not believe in the story of Daniel in the lion's den. I believe in the story of the lions in Daniel's den. When a person prays and they align themselves to God and they believe him to be the source of all their strength, Satan doth not have dominion over you. The deeper, the deeper that Daniel went into Babylon, the deeper he went into God. The more decrees they'd write, the more he'd pray. We've got to go deep for deep. We've got to go fire for fire. Too often I see good church people back off on their prayers 
because the person they're praying for begins to get shook and begins to get in all kinds. You start praying and all of a sudden they end up in jail. You start praying and all of a sudden they end up in the ICU unit. You start praying and all of a sudden they're, they're on the brink of divorce and all, all, all H-E double hockey sticks is breaking out in their life uh, and, and people back off. That's when you gotta press even harder. That's when you gotta go in even deeper. Uh, I'm preaching to some young people here. The more they pick on you, the more you got to pray, the more you become the subject, amen, of the dinner conversation, the more you got to pray, the more you go over, amen, to your parents' house, and they begin to try to get you out of church, the more you got to pray, the more decrees that are signed, the more hell that breaks out, the deeper you got to go, deep calls to deep, you got to answer back, amen, you got to fight back, you got to pray back, you got to let the devil know, I see that you're fighting the hardest because there's a great big blessing on its way and I'm going to stand right here until it breaks. I'm going to stand right here in my place of prayer until you let go of my mama, until you let go of my daddy. I don't care if they tell me they hate me. I don't care what they tell me about my church. I'm going to pray them down. I don't care if they're on drugs. I don't care if they're in prison. I'm going to pray them down. I'm preaching to some saints of God just because your child has been out of church 10 years, 20 years don't let the devil convince you that the papers have been signed and the war is over the devil is a liar I believe you can see your backslid child come back and pray through I I believe that I believe that God believes Come on, come on, come on. I'm done preaching. But I believe, number one, I want every young person here, every young, I feel this so strong in my gut. There's young people here right now. In just the last year, your parents have backslid. And you've stayed. I want every young person here that you're, and I'm not just talking to the kids enrolled in the elementary school. I'm talking, I want every young person here that your parents are backslid. I want you to come up to the front. I am going to pray with you. This church is going to pray with you. Come on up, sweetheart. Come on up. You know what Jesus said? You know what Jesus said about children? He said, to suffer them not. And then he went on to say this. He said, for their angels are before my father's face. It's almost as though Jesus is saying, I will move. I will put other things on hold. 
I will dispatch angels for kids who pray. Pastor Holmes, I'm telling you, God's going to do something here this evening. I know it's Tuesday night and I know some of us are ready to go home, but I believe God's going to dispatch angels from this service here tonight. And I believe that by the time it's all said and done, there are some young people here that are going to pray and shatter strongholds that are over their parents. I want you young people to raise your hands. Come on. I need this church to stretch their hands towards some of these young people here. Come on. The rest of you, if you have backslid children, if you have somebody that you've been praying for, before you're dismissed tonight, I want you to pray just a little bit. It's not going to hurt you to pray five, ten minutes. I believe that this is a special service. I believe that this is a special moment. I believe that in this service, God is going to answer prayers powerfully, forcefully. I believe God's going to go to war for us tonight. In the name of Jesus.